Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Behind the Scenes of Happiness, Motivation for Motivators. I'm your host, Christoph Spiesens. It is so exciting to be talking with the wonderful Melody Green tonight. And when I say tonight, that is tonight UK time because Melody has very kindly agreed to wake up rather early. She is based in Newcastle in Australia. So I believe it is now 6 a.m. Am I right? Good morning, Melody. Uh, good morning. Yes, it is. It's still dark outside because <laughs> we are, of course, in our winter. Hmm. But at least it's not freezing cold. Today is our quite warm so I'm not sitting here under the blankets going oh my goodness oh my goodness what am I doing this for <laughs> whereas I'm sitting in Manchester it's 9 p.m it's throwing it down as we say um, yeah. and it's our summer it's we have four seasons in a day here recently um, but thank you so much for coming on the show and this one's special Melody is a professional career counselor. She is a soul coach, an author, and also an angel intuitive. And I myself have worked with Melody on multiple occasions with regards of getting some insights and support and tools around my business, helping my business move forward and grow. And all of that is happening and has been happening because of the support that Melody has very kindly given me and other people from my network. So today is special. I feel like I'm interviewing an idol of mine, so to speak, Melody. So, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> but wow, are... okay. Um, but thank you for being a client because, you know, um, as I'm sure you're aware as well, what happens when you work with someone is that not only do you get to know them, but you learn as well. It's the whole process is uh, yes. learning and growing on both sides. So mm. as much as you have learned something from me and, you know, and I've helped uh, you develop, so too have you done the same for me. So thank mm. you. And it's so important. I, I don't have any issue sharing this with, with the, with the with the world, so to speak, because mm. as motivators and coaches and counselors, therapists, we need to reach out for support as well. We can't, we, we often mistakenly think that we, um, you know, our cup is full all the time and, and that's mm -hmm. not true and that we know all the answers and, and that's, that can't be true either because we are human beings and we're in the game just like anybody else. <laughs> Yes, and we are, we are having our own version of whatever it is that we're dealing with. Mm. I remember very early on, one of my clients, this was, gosh, this was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. One of my clients looking at me one day as I was saying goodbye to her. This was the time before the internet enabled mm. me to have clients from all over the world. And she was a local person that came to see me when I lived in Sydney. And she looked at me and she said, you're so lucky you've got it all together. <laughs> and, and I laughed like I did now, you know, and she, she said, what are you laughing for? And I said, I haven't got it together. I've only got little bits of it together, my little bits. <laughs> and I said, and I'm working daily on them. Yes. And it was, it was a shock for her to hear that. I think, I think there is a natural assumption that we have from the way we've been trained and, and taught at school and so on that there are there are people that have absolute knowledge absolute mm. truths and that's so wrong <laughs> there's mm. no one that's got that <laughs> mm. i don't know uh, you know even if you were to sit down very quietly and talk to someone like you know the Dalai Lama or, you know, someone of, of huge mm -hmm. capacity, I don't think they would say that either. <laughs> no, true. So, you know, I think it, owning who we are and owning the gaps that we're, we've got in our lives mm. um, is part of that process of becoming more who we are. And it makes more authentic, us relatable you know? for people as well, I suppose. Yeah. And mm. we are human and we are having a human experience. Mm. So if you're having a human experience and you're not doing any work, I'd be going, hmm, what's mm. happening there? Yes. You're not doing any work. Yeah. 
Hey, of course, I want to start off with a huge congratulations on the release of your latest book, A Tipsy Man Goes Naked. That's um, an interesting title, and we'll talk about <laughs> it in a, in a moment. Um, and the subtitle is Love Tales and Recipes. And I have read the book, and I've actually, I'm going to read my notes here, because last night in preparation for our chat I was thinking to myself, if I had to explain and recommend this book to anyone, how would I describe the, the, the reader experience? Because it's a, it's a book not like any other. So this is what I wrote down, and then you can tell me whether this resonates or whether I've got it completely yeah, wrong. Yeah, sure. This is a remarkable book. It's a fusion of love, life, and food across time and culture, part fiction and non-fiction, part autobiographical and part character-based, a seamless educational combination of poetry, short stories, culinary recipes, and recipes for a more delicious life. Hmm, that sounds wonderful. That... <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I had great trouble telling my publisher or explaining to my publisher what this book was about right and um and we're still having discussions around that in terms of how she classifies it because mm. it doesn't fit exactly into one mm. thing or another the the truth telling comes through the anecdotes of the recipes where i get the recipes from this book has been a long time coming <laughs> 20 years i believe I felt, yeah i had the first story 20 years ago wow. and i you know, I have, I have to go back a bit further than that, though, to explain my mm. journey into writing, because it's not, it's not like I have always wanted to write. In fact, I didn't even know I wanted to be a writer until one day in my 40th year, <laughs> watershed that was, um, when I suddenly woke up one morning and went, I want to be a writer. Bing! I'm going to be a published author. Ba-ding! Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. And then I went, hmm, now I wonder how I do that. <laughs> right? Not having written anything at all. <laughs> so <clears throat> this is the way spirit works. Mm -hmm. When you say you want to do something, things start to move. And I had, up until then, I'd been a teacher in ESL and I was in a process of transitioning back from being in the land of woo-woo, mm -hmm. you know, working all of the stuff that I do now, going back into mainstream the mainstream world in order to, there are two reasons that I do this. One of the reasons is that it helps me bring that spiritual knowledge and information back into where everyone sits mm -hmm. yeah, and helps uh, me understand what I'm doing on the spiritual level and also how to help people that are on the, you know, coal face, so to speak. Mm -hmm. yeah? And it helps me see the real issues and the problems that, you know, if I have a client come to me, I may not see because someone who's chosen to come to see me is mm -hmm. usually some way along on their journey. Yeah. Whereas if I work in a workplace, I could find people that are not on that journey at all yet sure. and may still need help. Right. So I've noticed in my life that I, I weave in and out of being in spirit, going back into earth and, what's mm -hmm. happening right on that coal face and back again. And this was one of those transition periods. Oh. And I was working in a job, which a lot of people will know, uh, being in a call center. Mm -hmm. And about three weeks after I decided I was going to do some writing, I came across this little ad in one of those, you know, local newspapers. And all it said was writer and a phone number. And I looked at that and I went, I have to ring that. It looked dodgy as, I can't begin to tell oh. you how bad it looked, right? As, a, as an ad for a job, it just uh -huh. didn't look right, okay. So anyway, I spoke to the man and he published titles for tertiary courses, vocational courses, mm -hmm. and was uh, employing writers to write on different things. And so he said to me, what's your experience? I said, I've never written anything. <laughs> He was probably wondering what on earth I was doing, <laughs> calling him. And, uh, and he said, have you taught? I said, yes, I have. And he said, well, come and see me. So anyway, I went and saw him. Mm -hmm. It seemed a very uh, upright kind of business. <laughs> so that was good. And we had this conversation and he said, I can find any number of writers to write me technical manuals on, you know, mm. how to use 
computers and all sorts of things. He said, but I can't find anyone who will write about that interface emotionally, you know, things Mm. like how we write resumes, how we deal with people in workplaces. He said, all what we call the soft skills, I have no writers (laughs) at all in that. Uh I said, well, isn't that funny? I said, that's what I do. (laughs) I talk about all of those things. Mm -hmm. I said, "And, and so it seems like we might have a match here. So he took me on board and he gave me this contract and I'd never seen a writer's contract before. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know whether it was any good or not. So I went to the Australian Authors Association and said, I've received this contract. Would you mind having a look at it and telling me whether you think it's any good or not? Right. right. And the woman went flick, 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 flick through it. And she went, sign it immediately. And don't let anyone else know that you've got one like that. Gee. <laughs> I said, pardon? She said, because that's one of the best contracts I've ever seen wow. for an author. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is spirit watching? Is spirit helping? Is spirit showing the way? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was my first introduction, if you like, to writing. Sure. Wow. And as a result of doing that, I think I wrote something like 15 manuals, which are, they come and go, you know, mm-hmm. so I don't think there are any now that are currently on, uh, you know, on the, uh, you know, path, so to speak. But what I did was, it le- what it taught me was, was a way of approaching my writing, which I, I think I was very lucky to have. Mm-hmm. And that was to follow the curriculum and be able to write accordingly. So when it's come to moving that across to other forms of writing, spiritual writing, for example, which sometimes is very unwieldy to bring together. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It's enabled me to have that, you know, what are we actually trying to say here? Yes. So that, that was how I began. And then mm. the story arrived after having completed my first book which was a which was a book dedicated to my son much the same as this one is Mm -hmm. dedicated to my son and it was about what would I like to say to my son when he when I wasn't there if he was in trouble and he needed someone to you know give him some wisdom or he Mm. needed to talk it out and I, I wasn't there what would I say to him? So I sent the, you know, sort of made these little lessons of mm-hmm. what it was to feel confident and so on. And the book was called Soul Talk and I released it in 2006. So that was my first book with, in my own name mm-hmm. <laughs> without anything kind of attached that I was doing for someone else. And, and then the story, the first story came and I looked at the story and I thought, oh, Okay, that's interesting. I wonder what I'm supposed to do with that mm-hmm. and promptly put it in the bottom drawer. <laughs> <laughs> all, all authors have a bottom drawer, right? Absolutely. It sits and collects stuff. So it went into there. And then uh, a little while later, it came out again. And I was talking to someone about, you know, some of the experiences that I've had in my life. And I've had a very broad, very broad way of looking at life, meeting lots of different people, Mm -hmm. lots of different cultures as part of teaching English as a second language that opened me up to a lot. But I'd always been interested and fascinated by people who were not the same as me. Mm -hmm. And some of that, I think, comes back to being a migrant as well, because, you know, you move into a new land Mm -hmm. and you you have to think differently and you have to be aware of the differences. Um, So so that's what I did. I, I went into this process of uh, talking about what I was, you know, what I've been collecting in terms of, particularly in terms of recipes, right? Because I found that a lot of the people that I spoke to when I was teaching English were people having lives, trying to find a way of feeling comfortable in their own culture and yet in one that was foreign. And how did they do that? Mostly they did that through food. holding on to their recipes, sharing those recipes with others. And I did a lot of impromptu kind of let's have lunch and you bring your lunch and we'll bring mine and we'll talk together. Mm. That kind of stuff I did a lot of, both at a school level when I first started teaching in school uh, in the K to 12. So that's uh, kindergarten all the way through to year 12 or, you know, going on to university so that was the size of the school and we had a lot of migrants coming into that school Mm. and I used to hold uh, multicultural lunches 
that would bring in their parents and they'd have a chance to talk and get to know each other and so on. Food so, as, a connect, as a connection tool? Yes, as a connection tool and as a way of breaking down barriers. Yeah, sure. Right? Because mm -hmm. we need to eat. <laughs> what do you eat and what do you eat? And yeah. where are the, where's the sameness and where's the difference? Yeah, okay. I've always been interested in looking at someone and going, what do we share? First of all, what do we share? Rather than what's different, and yep. that must be something to be afraid of, I've always looked and gone, I wonder where we're equal, where yes. we are, we have commonality. Hmm. And uh, that's always driven me right from when I was a child all the way through. So that was what I was doing yep. when mm -hmm. I was, you know. So that's how, this, how it came about, really, the idea of the recipes, because I realized I had this enormous cookbook of recipes and ideas that had come from other people and then I looked at them and I went so how do I do this and uh, not tell people's stories in a way uh, that would be embarrassing or difficult or you know make them feel uncomfortable in any way mm -hmm. how do I honor them and you know, uh, do I tell the story of that person or do I tell something else? How do I work this? And so this is how the ideas came about. So I would say the stories are fiction, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes they, they have a grain of truth. The story of traveling across to Australia and New Zealand was actually my story. Yes, indeed. Uh, but um, it was not the story of a 12-year-old. And unfortunately, I did not have that experience mm -hmm. <laughs> with, the, with the lovely Italian waiter. That was not my experience, no. Um, but, but yes, there was, there was an element of that uh, uh, there. Uh, but most of it is, is made up. It comes through spirit. Spirit gives the mm. stories. And once I decided that I wanted to write this thing called a book, well, you know, I, I, I just maybe have to explain what happens as an angel communicator first before I go into this side of it, but because there's quite a lot of similarities in what I deal with. So when you're an angel communicator, one of the things that happens is you have a lot of people from spirit come and talk to you to talk to the people that are here on earth. We sure. act as kind of like, you know, we're like the phone link mm -hmm. <laughs> between yeah. mm -hmm. spirit and the earth and, and what's happening. And, you know, sometimes when I do a reading for someone, I will have all of their family there. Uh, sometimes I will only have one of their family there. Sometimes I won't have any. I'll just have the angelic realm that are there to support this person. Always the angels are the, uh, are the way through. And when I first began doing this work, which is, goodness me, mm, let me think. I started when I was 19. I'm now 62. So it was a long time ago when I first started doing readings and recognizing that I had some connection to spirit, although I didn't know what quite it was at that time. Mm -hmm. But I started getting information from spirit from that time. And when I started doing readings professionally, my son was two weeks old. And uh, <laughs> it's a great time to decide to yeah, do something sure. <laughs> major and different, right? Um, but yeah, I wanted to do something that enabled me to get out of the home for a bit and, you know, be able to serve. And, you know, I felt that I was ready to do mm -hmm. that work. And when I first started, I... <laughs> In spirit, I would have like, you know, 20 people talking at me all at once. Wow. It was like, oh my goodness, stop, stop. I can't hear you. Do something. Um, get in an order. Get in a line, right? So you can pass through this message. So what the angels did is they became the gatekeepers for me. Right. <laughs> and sometimes when I've got a new person, it's like what happens, I think, is that spirit uh, connection to this person realizes they've got an opportunity to talk and every man and his dog comes mm -hmm. along sure. for, the, for the exciting connection, right? The opportunity to talk. And so sometimes that's why there can be a mass of people there. So for, for uh, our and listeners, they're all Melody, eager. Sorry, uh, Melody, for our yeah. listeners, are, do you, are these audible voices or is this thoughts and ideas that come to you when you say there's a load of people there? Uh, sometimes I, I don't see very much. Mm. I'm, I'm a, a definitely clairsentient and mm -hmm. clairaudient. I used to hear voices, 
I don't hear voices anymore, not right. usually anyway. I, um, the more practiced you, you become, the more other aspects of the, you know, the, the gifts, if mm -hmm. you like, mm -hmm. integrate into each other. And so I suppose I've developed a lot more a cognizance, yes. a knowingness yes. that just it comes, is. here it is, here's the answer for you. Yeah. And sometimes now, I mean, when I first started, I used to have to transition, you know, it was like changing gears to be open to let the information come in and then change gears to say it out to the other person. Yes. It's quite a, yeah. a, a stepped kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Now it do, that doesn't happen at all. It's simply, it sounds like I'm just having a normal conversation with you. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's because of the practice level, you know, that Absolutely. muscle has been developed yeah. over years. and. And I know when it's working and when it's not. So from that work that I did of recognizing spirit, right? Spirit instead, when I started writing, gave me characters for the book. Hmm. So there are different kinds of characters. So there are characters that are people that will come in through the story. Uh, there are characters that are plants which are a couple of the stories are about the love bud for example mm -hmm. is a story mm -hmm. about a rose right and the the energy of the rose and the, and the connection between or love that's possible between a plant and an and a, a human and yeah, what that looks totally. like mm -hmm. and then there are other forms of energies if you like that i deal with so every recipe has its own energy yeah. and it comes to talk to me as well so when i was putting the book together i remember having sometimes I'd have a recipe and I'd have no story. <laughs> I'd go, oh, it's going to be interesting. We'll just have to sit and wait for that one then. So I put that aside. And sometimes I'd have the story and no recipe. <laughs> and, you know, I had to wait for the, the right kind of alchemy to happen for, for something to come along. So, you know, I suppose I don't write like anyone else either. You know, it's, um, it's a unique process for me. And now that I'm writing book two in this series called Nuts About Love, mm -hmm. you know, I've noticed it even more. I've noticed this process that I am in as a writer, which is quite different to the way other writers speak about what they do. I do plan. I still, you know, I, I work out, for example, the first part of putting the book together is going, how many stories will it have? What will the emphasis be? Uh, you know, for example, in a tipsy man that goes through a day. So you have breakfast right through to supper. Yes. Uh, and in Nuts About Love, it's the seasons that we're working oh, through. Oh, wonderful. So there's, okay. that, that's, there's that kind of element, you know, that's kind of structured. But what the story, what happens to the story is half the time I have no idea. So when I was putting Nuts About Love together, I, had, I have this uh, book plan, you know, that goes... Mm -hmm the muse talks, the recipe, the story, the anecdote. <laughs> yeah. And most of them are open until <laughs> it's written. <laughs> the muse is an interesting character because he came in, uh, no, I have to go back. When I, was, when I had sort of got the idea, um, I knew a couple of people that were involved in publishing and I went to them and said, I've got this idea for a book. It looks like this. And they went, oh, no, that won't sell. <laughs> no, short stories won't go. No, sorry. We couldn't possibly think of publishing it. I went, oh, okay. Mm. Mm. Right. Okay, that's fine. Thank you very much. And I went back to the drawing board. And the problem is I don't think I am a book writer as in a novelist. Right. I don't think that's my strength. And I don't think that's my, what I've come here to do. Right. And if I think about any of the other work that I've done, it's always about giving people the essence mm -hmm. of it so that they can work with that. And then it's almost like, you know, if you were to get a drop of essential oil and you add it to the water mm -hmm. to make a perfume, right? Yeah. You don't need, you know, five quarts of rose oil to sure. make a perfume, right? You only need a, three drops. Yeah. I, and, and that is how I work. That's what I'm about. And so if you have a look at those stories, they have an essential energy and each one has something to say and it's just a drop and it allows the person to relate to it and explore those feelings within themselves mm. and come out the other end changed or 
thinking about something that they wouldn't normally have thought about if they hadn't had that yeah. story told to them. I love the analogy of the essence drop because yeah. I think for me, the essence throughout all the stories and the, the, the poetry is, is, is love. That's for me, that was the key essence drop. Yeah. Have I got that right? Is that the, is that how you? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. yes. Mm. In, in, in this, uh, in that book, in this series, which is love tales and recipes, mm. Uh, it's always about love. But because not just that, romantic love, right? Or love no, of, no, love no, of, no. Love of life, love of self, love of things we can't um, even define. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And I'd like to expand a little bit on, on the topic of love, in particular self-love, because knowing our audience, motivators, like I said, coaches, therapists, and so forth, we are givers and give, 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 give until sometimes we exhaust ourselves because we have forgotten to love ourselves first. Mm. And we rightly live in, a, in an age of mental health awareness. And from what I can see and sometimes experience for myself, which is weird and wonderful because it's like I said, like we discussed at the beginning of the chat, it keeps us real and grounded. A lack of self-love, even temporary, can have a significant impact on our emotional well-being. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have to find ways of filling our cup. Mm. We cannot, if you are, I mean, I would say 98% at least of my clients, probably 100%, are empaths mm. and givers. And they are here with a mission to heal and open the world. That's, yep. that's what they come to do. And they are so generous, unbelievably generous of themselves. They give until there's nothing left. There's no shirt on their back and there's no, you know, mm -hmm. food in their belly, that kind of giving. And that is actually very unhealthy. It mm. is very unhealthy for us to give like that. And we need to know where our boundaries are around giving. And we need to understand that when our cup is full and we are looking after ourselves, our giving can be essential rather than, you know, a large amount. So, you know, we've sort of learnt to, uh, to think that if we give everything, it will, that's the best way forward. And actually it's not. Mm. There is a balance between giving and receiving. You have to allow the person the other end to receive as well. And so that means to give the other person a chance to receive, you, you cannot give them everything. Yeah. They have to have some space around that receiving the same way as you have to have some space around the giving. Yeah. Otherwise, if you give everything, you have no resource for yourself. And this is, you know, 90% of the people I would work with, they are in often in front line, right on that coal face working in the giving and they have nothing left for themselves. And they're wondering why they are exhausted, empty, mm -hmm. deadened, uh, you know, sure emotionally drained etc yeah so how does that work for for you then melody because you're the people who support the people who support people <laughs> so yeah. yes does, that's right I does am. that mean you need to kind of pull up on self-love or are you oh absolutely absolutely mm -hmm. when i first started being an uh, you know an angel communicator mm -hmm. I would just give, I, I would, there were no, I had no boundaries. I just gave and gave and gave and gave and then wondered why at the end of the day, I was totally done in, right? Yeah. Mm. No idea where my boundaries were. Uh, doubly no, no idea where my boundaries were because I was a twin. We had no boundaries. Right. right? Mm -hmm. So it was a, you know, it was, um, it was difficult for me to learn boundaries because one, I was in, a, I was brought up in a family that didn't want me to have boundaries. They wanted me to give all mm -hmm. the time. And, and I had not learned because I didn't even have a boundary when I came in. So, so I had boundary work was, it's been one of my prime things that I've had to learn. Mm -hmm. And how do you fill that cup as well? What gives you that energy back? How do you, how do you support yourself? You know, you know, giving yourself self-love can mean lots of different things to different people. And you have to work yeah. out what yours is. Because mm -hmm. if you don't work out what yours is, you can be doing all the other things that everyone else is saying you do. You know, have a massage here and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, pedicure there and stuff like that. 
or you know do lots of meditating whatever the thing is that you're told to do you can try all of those things but they may not be the right one for you and it's really important to find out what yours is yeah so for me mine is creating when i write especially that first stage of writing not the editing part that's when the brain has to come in right but when the other part of me is is open the open to spirit the channeling if you like i I use that word very broadly here of the the story down on the paper the connecting the poetry writing that is me expressing myself at my absolute essence yeah and in doing that i feel fulfilled that is the thing that gives me the joy painting does the same so Mm. those two things i allow you know i mean i could allow myself more and i'm expanding on that so it's like where else can i find that you know it's like a little Mm. game i play Mm. of um you know let's be curious about this and find out but inevitably for me it comes back to being creative yeah that is my joy that's where i fill my cup with and, and love- so I've got to the stage now where I, I insist on doing it every day. It's the first thing I do before I do anything else. Because yeah. yeah. that helps the cup be full so that I can do the other work. Yeah? Thank you for sharing. I, I love the line on your website saying, all I know is when I don't write poetry, I'm not alive to my spirit. Yeah. So beautifully yeah. put. There is so much power in that statement. That's a very confident thing to say. And yeah. I would like to, we, we need to come back to the, the mental health topic in a moment, but being alive to one's spirit, what does that mean to you? I, I know you talked about the channeling and the creative flow and, and getting the ideas and the inspiration. But if we, if we move away from just the creativity piece what does being mm-hmm. alive to one spirit mean for me it means allowing myself the space and the opportunity mm-hmm. to be myself to be really who i am right and no judgment there you know, no, I can't do that because, or mm-hmm. I mustn't do this. None of that. This is like me being, allowing myself to be me. Knowing, first of all, that I am a spiritual being in a physical form. First and foremost, I am spirit. And then my body is an expression of that spirit. Now, when you've chosen a body to be in that is not the, the norm for everybody else, you know, is not the beautiful, slim, da-da, you've chosen something else. There, there are lots of issues around that for you in terms of how can you be in your body and still be okay with mm-hmm. who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've come in and you have moved to a country that, you know, it seems to not want you, how do you cope with not being wanted and still being yourself if you have been in relationships that have abused you and circumstances that have stopped you from expressing your truth or or want seem to want to close you down Mm -hmm. how do you hold that and come out the other end and still say i am worthy of being here yeah right I think you have to face those questions. And totally. I think most, most of us that are in the, you know, healing, helping area have had something around that to deal with. Yes. Uh, and if we don't deal with it, we will never get to a place where we are okay to express who we are. And all I can say is I'm really glad that those things that I got told off for as a child, mm-hmm. being determined, right? (laughs) Insisting on having my way. Mm -hmm. I'm glad I had those because I would not have got through what I've been through and come out the other end with this amount of joy in my life. Mm -hmm. If I had not done that, if I had not had those qualities. So sometimes the very things that we are told is not good for us and we should let go of are the very things we actually need to hold on to and use to our best abilities to get us where we need to go. I am 
sometimes I wish we did more um, video podcasts because people could see the smile that I have on my face. I, it's, it's, you know, when you, when you listen to someone talk and, and you resonate with, with what they're saying, that's what I'm experiencing right now. As when I was a kid, mm. and I know that you've read my book and some of the listeners have read the book, um, d- difficult childhood, all, all of that stuff. But it was my, I was a very nosy kid i wanted to know things i wanted to you know like a natural curiosity and also i remember my mom saying she was actually fed up with me not being able to stick to the same toy for five minutes or more than five minutes (laughs) i always wanted to move on to the next and the next and the next but like in like 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 yourself melody those qualities actually were tools for survival yeah, later on in life, absolutely. So they stop you from being stuck in one place, and yeah. they allow you to move on to the next thing quicker. And yeah, they do, they yeah. do. And so, and so, being alive to 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 one spirit is about transcending adversity and and you know all the the, the more negative things of life and and come out more whole and and strong. Yeah. And and yeah. when you are in that position, not only does it refill our own cup, it also you 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 reach a place, and this is potentially a, a bold statement that I'm about to make, but but where even when negativity hits you again, it doesn't quite impact you as much as it would. No, you no, you it doesn't. Don't live in you know in in a no because you, you you have the tools. You mm. have the tools to be able to. Look at that. It's like, first of all, you know that if it's coming at you, you have a choice as to how you respond to it. Mm -hmm. When you're a child, you don't have that understanding. You only have your ability to feel it happening to you. And uh, uh, as an adult, you have a chance to go, okay, I can feel this. I I can feel this is what I'm feeling. I'm not going to judge my feelings. I'm just going to allow them to be. And I'm going to work through them. And then when I come to the end of them, I'm going to make a decision as to how I need to deal with this. Yeah. And that exactly. is a freedom that not many people have, yeah. I have to say. But it's the thing that is the core of resilience yeah. and the core of you being an essential being, able to translate and transform yourself as many times as necessary yeah. in order to be in the world as the truth you are nothing to add to that (laughs) (laughs) you produce beautiful books you do one-on-one readings you sometimes work with groups as well you you have some self-help shorter manuals out as well um, you have co-authored books. One of them is 365 Life Shifts, which, which actually won some awards, which is yeah. beautiful. But more recently, you have a new addition to your portfolio of generosity, and that's the World Attunement Days. Can you tell mm. us a little bit more about those? Yes. They began last year. Mm. Um, and... Uh, they began as uh, the angels came to me and went, we want you to do this. I have to say that throughout my life, the angels have given me <laughs> jobs to do. <clears throat> the first job they gave me to do was a long time ago when they woke me up at three o'clock in the morning and said, we, we want you to draw us. These 12 massive beings came into my, my kitchen and said, we want you to draw us. And I went, looked at them and I had not picked up a pen or paintbrush or anything like that since I was mm. about five or six when my brother came along and was a prodigy artist. It was like, okay, I thought I was going to do art. Maybe I'm not. And I put my brushes away and never picked them up again. And they came and said, we want you to paint us. And I looked at them and went, don't be ridiculous. Started to make a cup of tea. <laughs> no, uh-huh. I'm not doing that. And they said, no, we want you to do it. I said, go find an artist who can do that for you. There are hundreds of them would love the job. Go and find them. Okay. They said, no, we want you to do it. Uh And I said, why do you want me to do it? I'm not an artist. Why do you want me to do it? Because we want you to capture our energy. 
And that you can do. And you have been doing that ever since you were five and six or before. And I went, no, I haven't. And they said, don't you remember the drawings you used to do that had like, you know, different colors in them and shades and sort of, you know, Mm-hmm. I suppose were abstract, right? In in the mm-hmm. truest sense of the word. And I said, yes, I remember doing those. I remember loving doing those, I might add. I didn't say that to the angels, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, yes, I remember that. And they said, well, that's what we want you to do. Mm-hmm. That is us. That is a representation of our energy. Oh. We want that done, right? So I said, no, I'm too busy. I've got lots of things on this week. They said, don't worry about that. <laughs> immediately all my clients that i had booked chose other times no right. sorry can't do it this week like literally the next day every client that i had got booked that week disappeared oh. right yeah. and i'm going and so how am i supposed to pay for all the things that are going on in my life at the moment and they just looked at me so don't worry about that we'll organize that mm-hmm and and i said but i have no art you know i was so resistant i have no artwork i have no paper i have no that's okay we'll organize that we'll we'll just direct you okay so i used to take my son to and from work uh, to and from school on Mm -hmm. my way to you know go back home and do some work and on the way back one day i walked past this shop which was selling all of its artwork less 50 (laughs) percent i had $50 in my purse. I got probably close to $200 worth of of paint goods and things for (laughs) (laughs) $49.50. This is the way spirit works. Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. So anyway, I did these things and that was the beginning of me working with the angels. And every now and again, they come in at specific times and say, we want you to do this now, right? So the newsletter that I have for my clients, which is just closed, much to my amazement, right? Um, That started four years ago because the angel said, we want you to write. We want you to get this out. You know, Mm -hmm. this is the way we want to do it. And I went, okay, I'll do what what I'm told. (laughs) Um, I obviously, at a very you know, a long time ago, before I even came into spirit, decided that I would help the angels get their message across. Mm. So that's part of what I do. And this World Attunements Day is part of that. Okay. What What it began with was three sessions that are to do with grief, because the world is so suffering from grief. It's unbelievable. And a lot of that grief has, it has, you know, come on a very huge scale now uh, from all sorts of reasons. We're carrying all these very heavy emotions. And as a world, we cannot find solutions to things until we release this energy. Yeah. So, uh, so to date, we've had grief. We've had um, how to learn. That's something else that Spirit wanted us to know that there are different ways of learning and we need to change this attitude around learning about learning being difficult, Mm -hmm. about it being hard, about it being traumatic. Learning does not have to be like that and it, nor should it be like that. Real learning comes through joy, Mm -hmm. right? If you see a child before it gets put through the school system, you see a child enjoying learning something new, that sense of curiosity, Mm -hmm. right? We need to, we need to bring that back into ourselves uh, as adults because we won't find solutions to things until we start doing that. Uh, And then we had, you know, a series of terrorist attacks. And so how do we handle that kind of trauma? What do we do when we, we can't do anything there? We're not there for that. And we're witnesses to it. How do we handle that emotion? So that was another one that uh, we've also covered. So this year, at this time, Spirits asked me to look at loneliness with them. Uh, Again, it's a three session uh, series. It's on the 15th of each month, starting in June. So June, July, August. It's at seven o'clock your time, wherever you are in the world. So no getting up at six o'clock for, <laughs> for an appointment or three o'clock in the morning or whatever. Seven o'clock your time. And literally what happens is 
when we first start to started to do this, I said to Spirit, do you want these as videos? Do you want, you know, yeah. uh, do you want format? me to take people yeah. through, <laughs> through this, uh, you know, process of, um, you know, giving them some kind of guided meditation? And they said, no, we don't want any of that. And I went, oh, okay. <laughs> Why not? Right? Oh. <laughs> My curiosity, you see. Why sure. not? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And they said, because the word, we just want them to have the words. If they say the words in their own voice, what will happen is they will be triggered for their own healing. Mm. Each individual will be triggered by the, for their own healing. And that's what we want to have happen. We don't want it to wash over someone, right? Like a great big swirl of stuff and miss the in crucial points, which will be there if they are passive. So we want them to be part of it. And the way to be part of it is to actually get them to vocalize it. Oh. Okay. So that's why when you go on the, the site, you will see there's just a PDF with some words to follow. And you are advised not to follow them if you don't wish. Take the bits out that you want. You know, yeah. you're, you're given complete freedom to use it only as a skeleton to have the experience that you have. And I have to say from feedback from other people who come in, the, the response is enormous. People have, you know, had huge cathartic releases. They mm. have shifted how they seen the world. They have moved jobs. They have moved country even yeah. as a process of doing this work. So, um, and uh, Spirit said, we would like you to offer it freely. We, this is about healing the world energy. Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't want, you know, we will look after you financially. That's not what this is about. Okay. Right? This is about offering. So, so that's why it's in the format that it is and, and why it is like that. Beautiful. Loneliness is the number one issue that we have in the Western world and is often the reason for mental instability. I will put that, I'll use that word, instability. Mm -hmm. And often the response to um, that can be as serious as suicide all the way through to mental health disorders. Yeah. Loneliness is, is spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical. Mm. What happens is we have experiences. No, I need to go back. We come in as a soul to have an experience of love in whatever format we've decided we want to do that. Most people see love only as, you know, emotional love as in relationships yeah. and the romantic you know, stuff. love yeah. with partners, mm. the romantic mm. stuff. Mm. Love is so much more than that. It's, it's everything. It is our every breath yeah. and our every not breath as well. So the times when we don't breathe, breathe properly, we are responding to love by, assuming it's not there right so we come in to experience love to change and grow our understanding of what love is and if we come into a world that is our world that we we've come into the family we've chosen if we come into a place where we don't have strong support for self-love our understanding of love diminishes exponentially <laughs> and we will always struggle with how to love others and how to be loved in return and yeah. loneliness is a response to not feeling loved not feeling connected yeah. and that connection can be to the place that we are living in the place we were born to our family our history our nationality our race people around us our job i mean you name it anywhere and everywhere where there's options for connectivity if we feel disconnected at any point, that's an element where we're not loved, where we feel unloved. No. And we only need a few of those places to be disconnected for us to feel lonely. Wow. So loneliness is much bigger than I don't have a partner in my life, much mm -hmm. bigger than that. But it tends to, for, because humans have a, you know, a narrow understanding of what love is, it tends to, they tend to feel lonely or label themselves as lonely when they don't have a partner in their lives. Right? Mm -hmm. So 
a lot of people are feeling lonely thinking the partner will fix it for them when in actual fact the partner won't fix it for them because that's not where their loneliness sits. So when we come in and we have this desire to have our understanding of love, we will have certain information locked into our DNA that will be of an emotional, mental, spiritual level, not just the physical. And they, we will, it's like a coding that waits to be switched on. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that switching on is done through trauma or through an experience which is repeated and then becomes a belief pattern or sure. a reality for that sure. soul. Yeah. Yeah. And that soul then has to deal with that over and over until the soul finds a way of coming to terms with it or releasing it or accepting it or growing through it. And what the attunement days do is give us an opportunity to process all of that internal knowledge, which is held in the body and release it from our system so that we are actually opening up new channels for learning love. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to do this work. And that's why it's so important for it to be available to anyone who can access the internet and not fear that they have to pay for it in order to get that knowledge. Absolutely. And, and, and I can testify to the power of the attunement day. I'm referring to, I took all of them, but I believe it was the releasing grief that yeah. was as an empath, um, because by way of background for the listeners towards the latter end of last year, I myself due to, well, a, not um, looking after my own cup and B, just a very, very intensive training schedule. I had, um, I was run down at one point and my energy field was just absorbing even more than usual. So mm -hmm. when it comes to grief, I remember that the releasing grief attunement exercise, I'm going to call it an exercise because I think that's yeah. how it felt for me really 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 helped me to to feel grounded again and to be able to, i was somehow this is how i'm seeing it in my mind's eye it was almost like i was able to draw lines in the sand like this is mine this is not mine yeah this is global stuff um yeah. but i can i can care for this but it doesn't need to push me over you know it uh, no and, it, and you don't have to take full responsibility for mm, it mm. You, you acknowledging it is enough. You don't have to take it, you know, mm. as an empath. One of the things that we feel that we have to do is take everybody else's pain from them. No. And as an empath, what you do is you take that pain and you feel it through your own system yeah. to transmute it. And in actual fact, one of the things that empaths need to learn is to be able to help someone with their pain, if you like, and release it to source, not release it to us. Yes. Not bring it through us. We don't need to empathically feel that pain in order mm. to assist. There is also another side of that as well. And I'm glad you brought this up because this gives us a chance to talk about that thing that I talked about at the beginning, which is a space to receive and a space to give. Mm. We have to be very careful when we are so empathic of others that we don't take their pain away to the point where they are not actually doing any work around that pain. Exactly. Mm -hmm. They are responsible for how mm. they feel, not you. <laughs> and while you can empathize with that, you can, you can recognize clearly what it is that they are feeling and, and know that in, and support them through the process. You take away their pain, they haven't got any, any space for growth. We have to get to a certain level of understanding in the world and ourselves before we can sh make the shift to learning through joy rather than pain. But some people don't respond very well to us putting those boundaries in place right <laughs> no, they don't. you've always they been don't. taking my pain so why yeah. wh what's different who do you think you are you know? <laughs> yes absolutely mm. absolutely and you know your answer to that is well first of all i'm going to look after me okay. <laughs> i'm yes i am going to be selfish yeah yep i am and that way you can be selfish and look after yourself. <laughs> yeah, and our intention is not to be nasty at the end of the day. No, so. 
No, no, mm -hmm. it's not. And this is because as empaths, we often find ourselves in, in family situations where we are doing the giving and the supporting for more than ourselves in that family. Yeah. And as a result, we, and because we want to be loved and we are, you know, we are often looking to love from people that are not able to love us the way that mm -hmm. we want to be loved, you know, and as an empath, we tend to want to be loved totally, you know, cause that's how we love. We love a hundred percent and oh, you know, is there an extra 50 I can give you as well. <laughs> right? um, that's how we love. And that as empaths, we want to be loved like that back. And, you know, of course, there's two things happening there. One, you it's not a real exchange because if you're giving 150% of yourself, where is the space for the other person to give any love? Uh -huh. right? And so, you know, we need to lean back a lot and allow some space for love to come to us. Yeah. And then the other part of that is that we need to recognize that we deserve that love you know, giving love is a two-way exchange, not a one-way exchange. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you able to express slash explain in a nutshell why we should be more able to deserve love or why we are deserving of love better? Because many people str struggle with that. Because we are love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even this you know, it's really interesting and I'm, I'm getting a deeper and deeper understanding of this as I, you know, progress in my mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. The people that we have the most difficulty one with, you know, the ones that challenge us, the ones that get up our noses mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're, they're often family members and they're often, you know, our closest and dearest friends or yeah. partners, right? Managers. Right, there <laughs> in, <laughs> right at our core, you know, right at the front of us. We can't escape them. Um, those people actually, from a soul perspective, love us as much, if not more, mm. than the ones that love us lovingly. <laughs> Does that make sense? Um, I, I need to, to. Do you I want need, me to explain that a bit more? <laughs> I need to pause you for a second, Melody, because I prefer, you know, by figure of speech, because I'm not actually pressing the, the pause button here. But because you've just dropped the words, the soul's perspective, can I share? what I wrote down this morning on my notepad. Yeah, sure. It was a post that I was going to post on LinkedIn, but it hasn't happened just yet because like you said, with the bottom drawer analogy, everything has yeah. its time and its place. This is what I wrote down this morning. Take the soul perspective into consideration this week and beyond and shift from a disempowered to an empowered way of life. What if yep. things didn't happen to you, but for you? What if those who annoy you actually teach you? What if less is more? What if you weren't on the wrong path? It's all about appreciating the bigger picture. Yeah. That's yeah. so in line with what you've just described as well, right? This, yeah. Those who annoy us, yeah, they're teaching us love and then we're teaching them love and, and, it's, yeah, it's wonderful. that's right. It's all love, whether mm. it's whether it looks like that or not. It's all yeah. love, and when you can come from that place of realizing it's all love, then you're free. Yes, you are free of everything, and it gives you a place. That freedom gives you a place. So I suppose getting back to one of the things we've spoken about today, you know, how do I how do I know that my uh, how do I, how do I feel my cup full? Yeah, yeah. Having freedom, having freedom is a is yeah. That's my a good indicator. Well. Yeah, no. yeah. Mm. yeah. Wow. Flowing with that life and going yes, you know, I can accept this. This could probably be a thirty-two episode podcast series. <laughs> <laughs> such important stuff and this stuff heals and this stuff reconnects people to 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 themselves and to spirit and it makes the heart sing um for today however um let's wrap it up perhaps by sharing with people what the best ways are for getting in touch with you melody best ways uh definitely my website so www.melodyrgreenbooks.com Mm -hmm. uh, also Instagram 
I'm on Instagram and that's uh, Instagram Melody R. Green or Melody R. Green Books, both both places. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so those are a good, good sure. place to start. And um, A Tipsy Man Goes Naked is available from all bookstores and Amazon. Yes, and Barnes and Noble. Yeah, yeah beautiful. Online. Yeah. Any final words that you want to share with our listeners, Melody? I think expect lots more of stories of love mm. <laughs> and tales, tales, you know, the, the muse has a great massive book that he showed me uh-huh. and he said, I have all of these to tell. I'm like, oh, oh my goodness, I'm <laughs> going to be very busy. <laughs> so more to come, more well, to explore in that area of love. We're looking forward to Nuts About Love, which will probably be released in, within the next year or two, vaguely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yes, now, I won't wait 20 years anymore. Melody, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me, a beautiful guest, for sharing your wisdom, your insights, the spiritual guidance that came through loud and clear. As I always say, on behalf of the listeners and me, thank you so much. It's been a huge pleasure having you on the show today. And likewise, more than a pleasure to be here. And congratulations on your podcast series. Um, I think there's a lot of great work that you're doing as a result of that. And um, thank you, listeners, for bothering to listen. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Bye for now, Melody. Bye. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. For more inspirational podcasts, free meditations and spiritual talks, please visit my website christophspeesons.com where you can also find the links to all my social media channels. That's it for now. I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode. 